0: Nowadays, we put a lot of AV on the ones and zeros. We have to make sure that it gets there with integrity. They want more features, but they wanna see less hardware. We're
1: very much focused on others just
0: as an industry. This is the Pro AV Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, from innovative tech to game-changing news, only on MarketScale. check complete, let's go hello everyone i'm daniel litwin the voice of b2b and welcome to another great market scale pro av podcast with alford media this is the third one we're doing and we're joined by matthew dietzler he's the operations manager at alford media matthew it's great to have you in because with our other conversations i feel like we started really big picture first we were talking about holographic technology and how exciting that is then we talked about lighting design but i feel like with this conversation we're getting back to the basics a little bit. We're talking about one of the core components of AV, and that's the A, the audio. So it's cool to have you in here. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing very well. Excited to be here. Wonderful. Is this your first podcast? I feel like... Yeah, this is my very first podcast. Really? Even
0: being an audio guy, I feel like you would have gotten behind the mic already.
1: I've done some recording in the grand scheme of like music. Um, What uh, kind of music? I, I grew up... Listening to punk rock, my favorite band is Green Day. Yes, uh, I love Green Day. I yeah. have to
0: say American Idiot is one of the best albums. I mean that of all time.
1: that album changed my life for yeah. sure. I can I can actually attribute what I'm doing now and where I've gotten back to that album. It came wow. out when I was in ninth grade. Um I heard it. I wanted to instantly learn every song on guitar, mm-hmm. so I did, um, which led me to being in a band, which led to recording time, which led to me sitting in a studio going, This is what I want to do for yeah. my entire life. And then as I grew and learned and went to school for music and audio, I, I kind of figured, man, I could really make a good living doing this audio engineer thing. Yeah. And uh, found my way into corporate AV and took a promotion to be a manager, and here I am. Now on a podcast. Now I'm on a podcast. From Green Day to podcast. <laughs> From Green Day to podcast. <laughs> I love
0: that. That's going to be the title of the, of the piece, right? Awesome. Um, but yeah, it's great to have you in here, and what we're going to be chatting about today is the evolution of the audio network. So typically it's been very analog, but Mm -hmm. as of lately, audio systems have evolved to digital platforms Mm -hmm. and I feel like this evolution has really reached its peak now and it's becoming a pretty ubiquitous thing. So Mm -hmm. why don't you walk our listeners through what that evolution was like? How Mm -hmm. long did it take? When did we first start to see that transition from analog audio systems to digital ones? And how is it? Really begun to transform the industry, mm-hmm. both for the people using this technology, but also for the integrators, for
1: the manufacturers. Well, kind of a loaded question. Yeah, so I'll I I mean, start with the history. There's, there. there's some serious history. I mean, yeah. you, you go back to um, the Beatles almost yeah. with with the idea of just sound systems in general, because back in that time frame, you didn't have these giant consoles to do multiple inputs. You had maybe a handful. And you had these speaker systems that weren't loud enough to cover tens of thousands of people. I mean, they were playing to crowds and they couldn't hear themselves on stage, right? Um, because the 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 crowds were so loud. Right. So that's that's where it almost really started. Was that like how do we make these bands be able to to hear themselves, but mm-hmm. yet get the PA louder than than the decibel level of the crowd? Um, it evolved over time into you know, the Grateful Dead, what they were doing, mm-hmm. they, they were the first people to implement what was called the wall of sound, which was basically a giant speaker system set up behind them. And it was literally a wall of speakers. Um, they, you know, that was the next thing. And through that, they to tune that was a nightmare. I um, bet. <laughs> It was, I mean, you had to, the things that I know now, I couldn't do what they were doing. They were m- so much more into the physics and science of what each little individual component was doing right. to make it happen, um, the real big digital push started in the 80s um, with the evolution of uh, digital consoles, uh, digital recording techniques um, that, frankly, weren't great at the time, but you could do a lot of... You, you had more flexibility. Right. Um, a really good documentary to watch if you haven't is the Sound City documentary made by Dave Grohl and his team mm-hmm. where they talk about the evolution of just the recording studio. Um, and Sound City was this really famous studio in the 70s and 80s. I mean, Fleetwood Mac recorded there. Nirvana did their Nevermind album there. Raging Against the Machine did their albums there. Every Almost every Tom Petty album was recorded there. Um, but that was this analog world. And the, the albums sounded great. They were yeah. all fantastic. So many of them went gold and platinum. Um, and then just the Evolution Digital, how much cheaper could you make things but still make it sound good? Um, so that trend really started to push... The envelope of how do we make this quicker and cheaper well then the live guys started taking over too and saying okay well how do we make this digital thing work in the live world Uh, yamaha was was a big component in that i mean Mm -hmm. you saw some of their first digital consoles i mean the first digital consoles really were in the early i think in the early 90s i I don't know exactly what they were uh i had just been born so i was kind of (laughs) growing up in this world of transitioning and i grew Mm -hmm. up in minnesota where everything was still analog because that's what was cheaper at the time because the digital consoles were so expensive. Right. It was cheaper to make the product, but it was more expensive to buy. So it was uh, it was kind of this weird shift. And then just with the, the technology of it, um, they kind of messed up the algorithm when they made these digital things. And, and there's a, a whole, like, the sample rate conversion on that where it didn't sound as good as analog. So mm-hmm. guys were still pushing back. Well, it's like, oh, well, it's not that great. It doesn't sound as good. Well, then – these consoles could do higher and higher resolutions going right. into the 2000s. You saw new consoles like Digico come out with uh, their D series and their SD series now. So you're, you're starting to record in a much higher resolution. It sounds a lot better. Um, you're getting closer and closer to the the equal sound quality you got with the analog. Um, there's, there's so many things that are happening there. So it was really, it started in the recording business. Um, And kind of evolved into the live guys going, "Hey, we want to we want to start using this." Right. You know, some of the the most common early digital consoles um, Yamaha DM2K, Yamaha LS9, Yamaha M7. I mean, they were really they made a great product that was installed in so many, especially churches, because they were easy to use, Um, and a lot of touring companies took them out because anyone could pick it up really quick. Well, then, I mean, it just it just changed. people started figuring out, okay, well, if we can do digital consoles, can we convert audio into a network? Can we convert it into a cat five cable? How much information can we send down um, a network? And really the big one now, everyone kind of came up with their own protocols. Well, Audinate is a a company that came up with one called Dante. Mm -hmm. And that is like the ubiquitous, hey, this is digital audio. That's easy plug and play, easy to route, easy to use, and now is taking over the world. I mean, you go to Infocom or NAB, which are the two biggest uh, AV trade shows in the U.S. Mm-hmm. National broadcasters and uh, uh, Infocom is more for is is I mean it's all AV stuff, right? But you you'll you'll walk around and uh, there will be booths everywhere that say, Dante's spoken here, Dante spoken here, Dante's spoken. Here. I mean, you can plug Cap Five into everything you don't have to run. I mean, we've got XLR cables plugged into these mics. The only XLR you have to run would be from this mic to whatever interface, and the rest of it is cap five all the way to the speaker it comes out of. Um, It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. How
0: much more is there left to improve? Do you feel like there's still some digital transformation that can happen to these audio systems that will propel them to that next level? Or do
1: you think they've kind of Maxed out and now it's just about perfecting the systems. Um, I don't think we've maxed out at all. I think we're just scratching the surface Love of what that. we can do. Um, obviously, microphones in, in, in and of how they work, mm-hmm. you you got to have it get to a box that then converts it into the digital signal. Because this right. is this is unless they can make a product that is a microphone that automatically is digital coming out of it, which you, you see in recording series where it's USB right in, right? There's no XLR involved, right? So USB cable. Um it's a little challenging in the AV industry, especially in the live. If you're talking installs, it's mm-hmm. super easy. Uh, sure. which they make these microphones, they have products out there that go – it's literally just all Dante right off the bat, yeah. um, which is incredible. I mean, you go into a system, and you, you turn your network on, and your entire AV infrastructure and, and ma- massive buildings like we're in works. Right. I right. mean, it's cool. it's cool
0: stuff. Which is exciting still, and, I mean, I feel like the – the steps we've made to this point mm-hmm. have been pretty magnanimous and now looking forward to what the future of transforming audio networks to digital platforms and really the hardware I think is, mm-hmm. is like you're saying, I mean, yeah, this setup right here still very analog, um, but I think to a degree it's because the analog systems are more like tried and true. Like we know that this mm-hmm. Shure mic is the industry standard and mm-hmm. USB microphones are mm, are hit or miss sometimes. You know, they right. they aren't quite as reliable or as directional. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's where we're still
1: going with that digital transformation, right? Is on the gear side, maybe perfecting the gear. Yeah, I think I think there's gonna be a perfection of how everything works. I mean there's there's software updates and firmware updates. Mm-hmm. I mean every six months of this stuff that makes it better or something new they can put in. Um, and a lot of it really uh, some of them really enhance the product, some of them are just bug fixes. Right. So that's that's really what it boils down to for for this. I mean this this is a perfect setup. I don't I don't know if this will ever go away. Right. This is something that anyone can grab um and do. Um when you get into the more sophisticated installs you're gonna see less and less of this. Right. Yeah.
0: Which is cool. Yeah. It's great. So I think I want to transition the conversation over to how this has affected the professionals within the industry. Mm-hmm. So with this digital transformation Mm -hmm. of audio networks, obviously it's been a long process and it isn't something that's Mm -hmm. particularly new, but in the live space, I think we've seen more recent updates. So how has this affected those professionals in the AV space? Mm -hmm. Um, And how have they had to train themselves to become both audio engineers and now network engineers? It's like two
1: professions in one. Well, I I honestly wish someone would have told me that when I was 19, first getting into this business, yeah. um, because I would have taken some network classes in college, mm-hmm. and I think, had we known, it would have been offered as an elective, which would have been great. Yeah. Um, because just basic networking, mm-hmm. you know, learning what different IP addresses do, learning what the different subnet um, addresses can have you talk to, even the gateway address, just learning what each of those things are. And some of them I still need to study because I'm like, I know how to make the IP of my computer talk to the IP of the network, which I need to get into and communicate mm-hmm. with everything. But if something goes down, sometimes I'm not the most tech-savvy guy. Right. Um, now, I know people, I can call at any given moment, and they can walk me through it. And thank, thankfully, over the years, I've had to call them less. Right. But a lot of the guys that noticed the industry trend right off the bat started doing the research. Uh, they started learning. They started going to the trade shows. They started communicating and talking with everyone they could get their – you know get get in the room get in a room with um the other thing too is you know is there's there's brands that have popped up that are making things av specific now for network infrastructures the biggest one is luminex um, they make a network switch that simplifies the idea of uh, v landing. you know landing at local area network v you can separate those networks so that ports, only specific ports talk to each other, but everything's still on the same network, mm-hmm. which is what we've done at Alford. Um, all of our audio systems network together down one fiber cable, but we can split that out so the network traffic is better managed. Right, um, And then we use uh, Ubiquiti switches to talk to everything wirelessly, hmm. which is incredible. Right, um, So our, our setup... While it's gotten more complicated and we've had to have some training on it, once we've perfected it, it's almost plug and play. Right. And not a lot of guys know that. They struggle with the idea of what it took to get there. And I was part of that process where we were plugging stuff in and going, this just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And then we got it to work to the point where we were on the phone with Luminex and they gave us – a, a specific code we could write into the switch to make it do something we needed it to do. It was a hmm. it was a pre firmware upgrade that we wanted done, and once we got it done, we were like, "Bam! This is the coolest thing we've ever we've ever used." Right. But the problem was, is as soon as you restarted the switch, you lost that code and you had to recode it. So, you if if you had to restart the switch during the show, you could crash your network, and you were like, eh, "I don't want to do that." Right. So yeah. So yeah, I think once the transformation happens, the
0: professionals mm-hmm. see the value. But I think yeah. you said it best yourself. It's that. It's within the transition that mm-hmm. you still see some hesitance. It's mm-hmm. like if people are used to using the analog systems, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that transition to digital just feels like more effort than yeah, it's worth.
1: Absolutely, we've had we've actually had several engineers that we worked with a ton mm-hmm. over the last few years kind of fall off our radar because they were unable to keep up with the change in technology. We've basically 100% switched over to digital in everything, wow. except for our small format stuff, which you're going to see small format on analog for the rest of the, the life of what we do. Right. Um, it's just, it works, it's easy, um, and you can train anybody to do it. So if you're doing a small breakout room and there's a there's a person designated by the company you're working with that's supposed to run that room but mm-hmm. they don't know anything about AV, you can go, hey, all you have to do is this label it, and you go, hey, this, this fader here, you push that to zero, and that's your mic. Right. And if you need to play something back, the next one over says iPod. And then say, if you need to play something like music, you push that to zero right. or minus 10, so it's not mm-hmm. as loud. And then you turn it all down. Right. So there's a, there's a much easier... It's definitely more intuitive, I yeah. think, like the analog, but... Yeah, and the other thing, too, is... Dante, when it first came out, was not reliable. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, this is really cool, but you need to fix your issues before we all buy into <laughs> right, it. Right, it was like a beta. Yeah, just out they there, were yeah. like, this is cool. We're going to be able to plug anything, everything in via Cat5, and then everything's just going to make noise. And you were like, great, that's awesome. But uh, it doesn't work, right. and here's why it doesn't work. Because, you know, engineers can design stuff all day long, but the right. users are the ones that are going to tell you wh- what needs to be done to it. So even Alford was hesitant at the start to go, well, we, we, we're not sure about this 100% digital thing. It doesn't really work. It's crashing a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, some of our guys can't learn on it, and you know you, that's where you see all these trainings pop up. I mean, Digico, like I mentioned earlier, they do trainings all the time. You got to sometimes it's in your city, sometimes it's not, and you need to fly somewhere to learn how to use it. You got to fly somewhere to learn how to use it. Right. Um, Alford's really great about education because we do a lot of our own in-house stuff. So with some of our newer systems, this uh, we with our our new VLAN system, we call it aLAN, the audio or the Alford network, basically. Nice. Yeah. Um. And uh, we had a training for guys, and some people flew in to go, hey, I know you guys have you really re-updated all of your systems. I need to learn how this works so I can continue to work for you. Right.
0: When you're at the live show now, mm-hmm. and you are using a digital system, mm-hmm. I think in the past when there was a malfunction or something you had mm-hmm. to fix on an analog system, Um, audio engineers sort of knew what route to take. Mm -hmm. How do we fix this? How do we get this operational? Mm -hmm. Now you're dealing with IT issues really on on a digital network. Mm -hmm. So how has this changed? What kind of people need to be present at these live shows? Is it now that the uh, audio engineers are really the IT experts as well and Mm -hmm. can troubleshoot that network? Or now do live shows require, all right, we need the audio engineer, but we also need a separate IT person that can help, You know bridge any gaps yeah. that are missing or if some network goes down bring it back up I guess wh-
1: wh- how has the mm. personnel changed at live shows At this specific moment in time the personnel has not changed the knowledge of those people has changed I see um, but we are we are headed towards a future where if you don't have someone trained in on the network infrastructure of a company, specifically their mobile infrastructure that mm-hmm. they set up on show site and your show goes down and no one knows how to get bring it back up, You've shot yourself in the foot. Right. So I can see maybe five to ten years down the line, you're selling a show and we're staffing a show and you go, Okay, well you you you're doing this size show, it has this size package, you need a network engineer there who's specifically geared and he covers your lighting guys, your audio guys, your video guys, mm-hmm. and make sure that all network at all times, and he's managing it and he's monitoring it, and he makes sure it's all all clean and kosher um, that, that, that is coming. I mean, it's, the industry is trending that way in every single department that it is, it will be a necessary thing.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to what that future looks like. I Mm -hmm. mean, whether it's for the better or not, um, you know, seeing how shows evolve to Mm -hmm. keep the digital infrastructure alive Mm -hmm. and really utilize it for, I mean, for what it's meant to do, and that's produce a great show. And if it's at the point now where it's not crashing as much um, and it can power a live show better than hooking up an entire you know, analog infrastructure, mm-hmm. then I think we're in a good place. Now it's just about the industry continuing to adapt to those changes. Mm-hmm. So Matthew, I'd really like to thank you for coming into the studio and giving us your insight on the evolution of audio networks onto a more digital platform. And uh, I think we're both looking forward to seeing kind of where this evolution continues to go down the line. Oh
1: yeah, me too. I'm, I'm really excited for the future. Definitely. Well, Ooh. thanks again for joining us. Thank you.
0: Yeah. And thank you everyone for listening to today's episode. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous ones, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure to leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.